Welcome to Dietitian Boss. My name is Libby Rothschild. I'm the CEO and founder of the Dietitian Boss Method. Our company is here to help you get started in private practice even before you think you're ready. I've created a proprietary process to help you increase visibility, create organic content, enroll clients into an offer, and learn sales skills that don't even feel salesy. Listen every week to your colleagues as they're being interviewed, and we chat about their progress and success from when they got it started from zero to all the way to creating million-dollar businesses and beyond. Hello and welcome. I'm thrilled to be here with Suze Carpenter, and we're going to be chatting all about the docuseries Lula Rich. And Suze has a really interesting perspective and a lot of insights uh, to add from her experience um, working with an MLM in the past and then you know building her own business now as a nutrition entrepreneur. So I thought she would make a great guest, and the conversation would be really helpful for those of you that both have seen the docuseries or haven't, but want to know about what's going on in the world that's trending when it comes to businesses, um, women, right? Women entrepreneurs, women empowerment, and running your own business and, and kind of what can go wrong and what can go right um, when running your business. So welcome to today's episode, Suze. Thank you for having me. Oh, I love having you. And I loved our conversation last time. So for those of you listening, check out a past episode where Suze talks about specifically her business and her journey, which is exciting. Um, mm-hmm. And so today with Lula Rich, uh, do you want to give a little bit of a recap of how you perceive the docuseries or just break down really briefly what Lula Rich is? Well, so Lula Rich is an M- a multi-level marketing company. And I thought it was really interesting the way they told the origin story of the original owner and how she was hustling. And then there was a market and somebody came to her and said, hey, I love what you've got. Tell me more. And then that person said, I want to do what you're doing because she wanted to bring in extra income in for the family. And so I really loved the part about this docuseries where they were showing one consultant, 10 consultants, a thousand, and just how things were scaling was fascinating to me. So I I got the idea of what, I mean, what the docuseries was showing you is if one person is in the sales force, you can sell X. If 10 are, you can sell X times 10 and so forth and so on. And it really taps into a lot of women and men, but a lot of families are doing the best they can with the hopes and dreams they had when they came out of high school or out of college. And how at the end of the day, a little extra income can really take the pressure off. And I thought it was a docuseries about families that had decided to go into business with this company to do just that. You know, whether they bought a new house and they wanted furniture or they had student loan debt to pay off, or mom was a stay-at-home mom, but that meant no vacations. I just it's a great story of what extra income can do to take some of the pressure off of families. And financial pressure is really, really tricky. I mean, that can be the undermining of a family if they don't have enough income to get ahead and save for a rainy day. So that was kind of my big overview of why people would get involved with the company. 
What a what a positive way uh, for you to frame that. So thank you for sharing that and, and leading with positivity in what touched you personally. And I, I appreciate that. Um, and, and for listeners who haven't seen it, Lula Rose is the company. Um, the docuseries is called Lula Rich, kind of like to make fun of the company. The company grew to a billion very fast and they sell leggings. Um, and it is a um, MLM company. Can you briefly explain what an MLM means for the listeners who don't know? And I'm asking because I'm still learning. So I'm sure you're explanation is going to be a little bit more articulate than my own. Sure. So basically you think about everything in life is basically structured like a triangle. So people will say pyramid schemes, but those are, there's technically illegal, but it's structured like a pyramid. So you think the principal of a school, then maybe a few vice principals, teaching staff, parents, students, pyramid, or you think about um, a a Fortune 500 company. You have maybe the CEO or the president. You have a board of directors. You have managers. You have so you can picture what I'm doing there. So yeah. what it starts out with with a multi-level marketing company is usually somebody has found a product that they found value in that they want to share with people that they do life with that would add value for them. And then you'll find a few people that see what you see with this. And maybe you think of it more like a franchise, like maybe McDonald's has several McDonald's distributors. My husband is a former employer of Caterpillar. So there was Cat International, and then every state has a Caterpillar dealership. So a lot of ways that you could look at this is there's one person, the owner of the company, and then they have a few people that want distributorships. And then those few people sell a whole lot of product to a whole lot of people, but a few people want to do what they're doing. Then those people do the same thing. So you keep building out these little pyramids. Yep. You explained that really well. And can you share what your experience was like with working in an MLM and and how it helped you develop your business skills, what you enjoyed from it, any parallels to Lula Rose from that? Sure. So let me say, first off, what I thought was also interesting, it was like maybe even an undercurrent of LuLaRoe, but when they got to the point where they were exploding, keeping up with demand became really the undermining of their company. And they began to implode from within because they weren't continuing to provide the products that they needed. That's, I mean, that is a really interesting business problem. Like, oops, wow, I grew too big too fast and why companies fold on Amazon even. But my experience was, okay, so I used to be a first grade teacher and I came home to raise the kids. My husband did really well. But then in 2008, during the first recession, we're in Michigan, company let him walk out the door and said, we just don't have a position for you in about three months. So we moved our family to Mississippi chasing a job, but it brought a 40% pay cut. And we were not talking about that pay cut. But what I knew is like, Dave was like, this is cutting out savings for weddings and colleges and our retirement. And I was thinking, this just cut out smoking hot dates and trips and making memories, and I'm not for it. So my girlfriend came to me, and she had been sharing with me products, and I really liked them. You know, they I, they made me feel good. And so then she shared that she had made some extra income, and I thought, you know what, I can stay home. I can do what she's doing. I like her. I like helping people. So I was able to build a very significant business in a short amount of time. And for 10 years, I was earning about $180,000 plus a year. Wow. that's So first of all, what a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing the the what happened with your family and how uh, you were able to do something and find something that you aligned with and meet the goals mm-hmm. that was important to you. That's really beautiful. And I didn't know that about you. So I just learned something new. And because of that, I feel connected. So thank you for yeah. sharing that. 
Um, $180 is no joke. $180,000 is no joke. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. So can you, at that point, what led you to stop doing that and anything else you want to share about that experience? Yeah. Well, so then there's this, this thought that, you know, you, you're able to earn whatever you want because your time your effort and your time is what your outcome will be. That's not entirely the truth because I might go and sell so much product or onboard a couple of new business builders that want my help being mentored on how to do this business at you know, whatever level they want. But it doesn't mean that my organization was moving in the same direction, wanting to hit the same sales goals because circumstances change in their life. And of no ill effect to to them. It's just their goals weren't matching my goals and I was not in control. I also was beginning to, I didn't like that first off that I wasn't in control. And then I actually was recognizing my sweet spot was that I realized people were really confused about how to eat. Like they were looking for magic pills and powders and I I always thought like, I can't get you to keep buying products if you don't get results. And I'm going to get you results if you figure out the kitchen. So I had been building this business in my head and dreaming about it. Like Dave and I would go on smoking hot dates and I would talk about this business all the time. And he said, maybe we just need to stay home a few weekends and then you just build this bad boy out. And I was like, no, we need these dates. No, no, no. Well, as things go, things go. And I built, started building this business thinking I would never get fired. I would never have it taken away from me because Dave was let go. And Dave is an incredibly hard worker, but just circumstances changed. Well, circumstances changed for the company that I was with as well. And they just said, we're going to have to change our compensation plan. And so you're going to lose the majority of your organization that you built. You're just going to retain your current customers that you sell products to. And so that was Libby, the kick out of the nest that I needed. Like it's everything I wanted, but I was terrified to do. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I wanted to still build a business from my house. I know that I'm an entrepreneur. I know that I don't want to work for somebody else. I know that I've got grit. I know that my mental game is strong. I knew I could do it. I just had to get started and I needed that kick out of the nest. So it was, they always say your blessings and your burden. And that was absolutely the case for me. I thank you for sharing that. So then what happened? How so, did you get to the, So you made the decision. I love that. And then, and then, and then what? This is like a so, okay, story. So fortunately, chapter two. I don't, you're like, whoa, we're not even on the book yet or on the TV show. So I had, um, Probably a few months prior to that happening, when the company let go, I had been drafting this in my head. Like I wanted a service-based business, not something that was reliant on selling a product. And so I was starting to draft out the things that I would say when I was coaching people. I've been coaching people like a hobby. And so then I, I started just... It was like lots of whiteboards and any type of Google search that I could do. And I started building out all these different offers. And then I just I just went for it. I hired a web designer. I had pictures taken. I hired a graphic designer to give me a look. And I just started building content and tried to get the website up and going. And it was like fire aim ready. And what I thought was going to be my big money maker turned out not to be the case. And I ended up pivoting. And then here I am with you doing small group coaching. I thought I was going to do one-on-ones and I had like a 
I have Sue's on your shoulder, which is a like a kind of like a paid for podcast, so to speak, but I'm okay, rambling. So, so how did, no, not at all. This is great. So when you said that that didn't work and now you're with me, can you elaborate a little bit more on what, what do you mean? Didn't work? Wasn't profitable? Was too much work? How did you make the right turn? And then maybe you could just briefly explain where you're at now. Cause you're in a great spot now, but yeah, I'd love to know a little more about that part. Well, okay. So I think that there's like, there's a law of the lid. Like you can only go as far as you can go with what you know. And so I knew I could work hard. I knew I could, I had a problem that I wanted to solve, which was based women over 40 who were gaining weight. I knew that I wanted to help them with that. And then I... I just did it. Like I, I didn't have processes in place. I didn't have a strong person that I was talking to. I had an idea, but not, not dialed in like it is right now. And then what I learned through multi-level marketing is in multi-level marketing, they tell you who your ideal client is. They tell you how to talk to them. They have a product that is packaged, that is priced, that is on a website for you, that has a checkout, they have a customer service, they have emails that go to the client on a certain basis based off of their Google analytics. This is, they have training videos, they have modules. There's so many, like, what do you want to say? Land, like mats, like you're not going to fall and hurt yourself as long as you just keep trying. All you had to do was go sell and talk to people and move product and and be in front of people. But the the business part was already done. It was a business in a box to which I say to anybody to try to decide if you have what it takes to build a business, that's going to let you know if you do or not, because you have to be self-motivated. You have to show up for yourself. You have to make your own schedule. You have to stay disciplined, not get distracted. And so in many ways, that's what showed me I, as a person could do it. I worked on personal development and understanding just who I am and what I'm about. A lot of those things came in that space, but when it came to writing procedures, when it came to um, hiring people, when it came to pricing, simplifying my message, being a better strategy on social media to continue to attract people. When it came to treating this business like a business, I needed, I actually, I need a dietitian boss. I knew that 200% because there were, I only could get as far with what I knew from multi-level marketing as where I got in January when I reached out to you. And so I feel like this is helping me fill in all the gaps that I wasn't taught with multi-level marketing that they do for you. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Makes perfect sense. And I absolutely love your attitude. So what you're saying is that you learned good things. They gave you a push in the sense that they kind of almost like templates plug and play, but they answered it for you, which in a way is um, cookie cutter to the extent that it's helpful to get you started, but not going to always represent authentically to you. But again, like you mentioned, it's great for a head start. And then once the compensation plan changed because you didn't have the control and power and, and own the company per se, that gave you the, the confidence to say, I have the skills and ability. Let me retweak this. And so now you're in a different spot where you've been able to double down on your message, helping women over 40 lose weight, create your own ideal client, and you have the knowledge and, and understanding because you've done that before, but it's been handed to you. But now you get to 
really go deeper and in a way that connects with you and how you want to be seen and heard. So it's like, it's a good build off of that. And I think you mentioned it in a really positive way. Like you, I hear you sharing your story with gratitude. And I think that's a really nice part of your character is you're so mm-hmm. positive about what you've learned and how it's helped you. Um, and I, I think that's part a huge part of your success. Don't you though? I mean, like with anybody, you have to go through struggles and nothing is wasted. It might just be latent that you get the reward. Like I couldn't know why I was doing what I was doing those 10 years and why I struggled with the things I struggled with and why some things came easy. But then now that I'm into this path, I can see why that part was necessary for this part. So it wasn't wasted. And in many ways, it afforded me a lot of opportunities that say I never had it. I may never be here right now. And then I think, then I would never be serving the women that I'm serving right now that are flooded with relief because they don't feel so much stress about the weight they're carrying and they can't get out from behind it. You know, like they're really feeling so much relief in their life. And I'm like, well, so if I had never gone through those 10 years, I'd never be here ready for them to help them with what they need. Yeah. And I, and it, So I want to give you credit. It's a beautiful story. I'm glad you shared it. Not everybody has that positive mindset to take an experience that didn't turn out how they wanted it to, right? How were they cut your compensation? You were making $180,000 a year. And then you turn that into an opportunity to learn and grow. So some people would be resentful and angry and blaming, or they would take a 10-year hiatus. Um, But for you to, to really just embrace that, and learn with it and build on it, I think is remarkable. And I think that's going to inspire a lot of the listeners. That's great. Thank you. But, you know, again, I think that's back to some of the grit that I learned and the personal development that was afforded me in that time period, because that was a big part of what we did is we worked hard on our person, ourself, like really getting about ourselves because we had to be self-motivated. And so when that happened, I looked at it like, okay, I am... I grew humans and I'm their leader and they're watching. So I can, I have a choice. I can lay down and suck my thumb and be mad at the world for the rest of my life. And it's over, or I can show them your mom is 46 and I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to build a company and be vibrant and go into my fifties, showing you life gets better as you get older. Not it's a steady decline after high school. Well, I, I'm inspired by your message. I'm not yet 46, but I'm inspired and I love the work you do. Um, and even though I'm, I'm not the demographic, I, I very much know that I, I relate to what you're saying. And I just want to mention for the listeners that uh, not only do you have a, a great attitude um, that you've explained, but also you've got really clear drivers. So you mentioning that I'm sure you know it felt upsetting that $180,000 you were making from this company that you you know loved the product. I'm sure there were good things about it, but when that got ripped under your feet or however you say it, um, the drivers that you had w- were your children and being a role model for them. So having identified those drivers to keep you to succeed, and also the business acumen or the the work skills that you had, and then what you learned from that experience you were able to parlay it into what you're doing now. So I think it's it's a combination of things. So the listeners can know, you know, I know it sounds a little bit, you might not, the listeners might not want to hear this, but thinking about your why. Yeah. Right? So the book, Start With Why or the TED Talk, that's what I'm hearing you say is that you were motivated by your family, by your children, by your own internal motivations and your professional development to look within to continue where other people might give up, especially if they don't know what their why is. And it it might not be children for some people, or they might not have children and that's okay. So I'm not saying that 
you have to have a certain driver, but I really appreciate that you've identified yours. It's it's really inspiring. Well, thank you. And you know, like I think me coming to you, Libby, I needed I needed somebody who was going to say, here are your steps. And I was going to go do them. That's just me. But I also needed somebody who's been there before that's like, yes, you are on track. Keep going. I just, I needed that like, "Mm -hmm, yep, that's the right path. Keep going. And then I would just keep going. I didn't need to, I didn't come in here necessarily needing help with, I feel like an imposter or do I have what it takes? But I think that's the part I had in my 10 years prior. But I think that's another part of what this, this does for a lot of women that I see in small group coaching with, with small group with you is that we're helping them to see, no, you have a voice. Somebody needs your message. You're not an imposter. There is space here for you. Everybody had to have a first day and then helping them with the confidence in themselves that business is actually like math. There is just steps and you just have to do the steps. It's not as I hope it grows. That's if you're, that's just not doing the work. But if you do the work, like you tell us to, your business is going to grow. Yeah. And, and thank you for, yes, to everything you just said. And thank you for differentiating the imposter syndrome uh, as, as a phase. Although I, I would say that it's, it still sticks around at every level, but it's more so prominent right at, at the beginning and then building on those layers of competencies as you progress. I'm working on a whole framework for that and um, for the, the levels that we go through in business uh, because we enter with different backgrounds and experiences and beliefs, right? And, and that's, a, that's a complicating topic. And so everything you're saying, I, I absolutely agree with. And I, I see it and feel it that you came in with a strong background and strong intentions. And so that following that list um, is more fluid for you, um, where mm-hmm. for somebody else that might need to work through the some uh, prerequisites first of, of those affirmations. It might take them a little longer. And everybody's journey because of everybody's unique makeup and everybody's backgrounds and experiences can be a little bit different, but it's definitely possible to still end up in the same destination of you know, sales and, and whatever output that might be for, for you and your goals. So thank you for sharing that, Suze. To go mm-hmm. back to I guess I have one question and then I want to circle back to, to Lula Rich, the docuseries and, and ask you a couple more questions about that. How do you feel about just in general, the difference between where you're at now with, and I think you did mention alignment, but where you're at now with not asking or reporting to someone else versus you being in an MLM, but like making money for yourself in your own context and feeling empowered and inspired, but like you calling all the shots, like what would you say those differences feel if you were to contrast them? I love it. I, I don't think that a day goes by that I don't turn to my husband and say, I'm so happy now because I felt a little caged because I was the, the drawback was I was at the mercy of when they were releasing a new product and that type of company runs on momentum. So it's announced on Wednesday at noon and it's almost like you have to drop everything because this product came out. And if you're going to take advantage, you've got to funnel the information to your team and blah, 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 blah. And like you have to drop everything. And I didn't like that. <gasps> Hurry up and no planning. What I love about this business being mine, I plan my launches. I plan when something's going to release. I set my schedule. I can take the weekends off and legitimately take the weekends off. That I love. I feel 
so much more freedom. Yes, there's greater risk because this is on me, but then that's why like I work with y'all so that I can make sure that maybe what unintended consequences I don't see, you've already seen and can help navigate away from. Sure. Yeah. So that's that's a, a great takeaway. So I'm I'm really happy to hear that you feel like you're in a good spot and you go to your husband and say that you're you're happy with where you're at. And and it's it's been a journey, right? With all the background and and as you mentioned, the news with your husband in 2008, and then you know relocating and taking the first position. And now this one. So it's really nice to hear your story. I think it's really connecting. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So now to, to go back to, to Lula Rich, the docuseries, we, I mean, this could be, I know we're drawing parallels and I think that's great for the listeners because they don't, so they can see the positivity and, and what the, were some good elements from the company and the docuseries because it, it has a really bad reputation, right? So anything else, <laughs> anything you want to mention? And you did mention earlier the point of uh, when they got, they grew so big so fast and the product started to, they couldn't keep up with it. So it started to, there was mold and deterioration and upsetness, lawsuits, a lot of other stuff. You know, I can't even uh, speak to all of the things because that was a very loaded docuseries. There was a lot of stuff going on. It was kind of like a circus to me. I was trying to keep up with all the themes, right? Between uh, women empowerment to weight loss surgery to copyright infringement to business ethics to narcissistic leadership. So there's a lot of stuff, and we definitely aren't going to cover all of it. But is there anything else that stands out or that you want to speak to more in depth about positive or negative takeaways um, from the, the docuseries? And again, you already built on something positive, and I think that was really great. Yeah. Okay. So they were narcissistic and they were. Yeah. But one thing I thought, my husband watched it with me too. We were talking about this and the distributors that were basically now they went through rags to riches and back to rags again. That was a part of like the personal development part. Like, you know, people who win the lottery and are broken 10 years, they didn't take what they had and invest it and save for a rainy day. And the fact that the this company wanted them to flaunt their rich, flaunt their bags, flaunt their things, my company wasn't like that. Mine was about like setting up financial freedom and getting things ready for a rainy day 40 years from now. And so that was hard to see that and hard for those people to be almost like mad at the company because they didn't do what was right. Now, maybe the company should have been better at modeling, getting involved with financial services and taking better care. But one thing they said, again, was that they were encouraged to spend their money on hotel rooms or venues or team events or whatever. And part of me was like, yeah, but that's kind of the cost of doing business. And this is your business, even though you don't have all the headaches of what corporate is covering for you. So there were there were some things in there I think that were twisted, but there were a lot there was a lot in there that was hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I could agree to there being a a whole stream of emotions. Um, absolutely. And and not to get too deep, but from a business strategy standpoint. Uh, again, they did some things right in the sense of, wow, they had a clear ideal client and they went after that market and, and they did, they had a mission to help women find freedom. And I thought parts of that were clear, but, and they had a really strong recruiting strategy for leveraging yeah. social and recruiting through social. And that's how they, that's was the revenue driver, right? But there's an opportunity, right? When it comes to reaching out for help 
Uh, and, and when you grow that fast, you definitely want to get peers and mentors. Like you're talking about professional development, um, resources, hiring consultants, um, asking other people, maybe getting an HR professional or a lawyer on staff. And again, we only know what was aired on the, on the, there's so much we don't know. We can only speculate from what they aired on the docu-series, but it looked like there was an opportunity to tap into some professional help and services so that you could offer that support. Um, but again, it's, you know, this starts to get into a political conversation about like, you know, the people who are in the business, how they spend it, is their right? And is it the business, is it the business that's responsible and the values of the business that helps role model for how women or um, how they could spend money? So, so it starts to get a little tricky because it is nice when a business can help support uh, the staff, but it's it's also, you know, the, the person's choice of how they want to spend the money as well. Meaning the, the um, person, what do you call the, the recruiter or the seller or the retailer? Yeah, the distributor. They did not do like leadership rises and falls from the top. So you know they they just propelled themselves into crazy success. But it doesn't mean that they were good people that could really shepherd that many individuals that were so influential and so hungry for change that up until this point they've been doing the best they can, but that meant they needed leadership and guidance. And I don't think that the people at the helm were ready to invest that in others. I mean, even in their corporate offices, they didn't seem to be looking to hire talent and people who were going to help with personal development or ethics or, you know, doing things correctly, they hired family. And then, you know, you, you have a spot and they were the influencers. Yeah. And, and you just basically said that way better than I, <laughs> you, you summed that up way more eloquently than me. I was trying, Yes, the, the leadership and the higher the nepotism. So hiring your family not necessarily who's competent, but who happens to be your uncle or your cousin. There's a lot of you know problems and flaws in that, and I think it just doubles down on how important leadership is and how important it is uh, to invest back into your staff and in your company and get help. Right, just getting help to support because growing your business that big that fast is it, you know going to take someone who's done it before to be able to steer you in a direction and and your your um, the retailers the, the Distributors and and all of the, their clients too. So I think that's a great lesson to learn. Is as you grow beyond what you know, which that's the goal in business, is that you you look for some help and and you're not too afraid to ask for help, and mm-hmm. and you really are able to support the growth and the infrastructure. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting story. It's sad. Um, it's it's still happening, right? So the the Lula Rose is still in business. So it's it's very, very interesting to see what's going on from all different angles. And I, I really like the positivity that you're able to pull from it about how you thought it gave a good base to somebody who needs a you know a template or or a direction or needs to take you 80% there. And then knowing the risk is that you don't own it, but then it gave you some skills to build on because I I can admit that I wasn't too familiar with MLMs before this docuseries came out. So I'm still I'm still trying to catch up with understanding yeah. the differences between MLM pyramid scheme legalities. MLMs have a really bad reputation. Um, I know that yeah. And so it's it's a matter of just kind of improving my business acumen to understanding what does that mean? What does that mean for dietitians? What does that mean for consumers? And, and how does that play a role, if at all? And, and definitely because it's a hot trending top topic, it's important to discuss it. Mm-hmm. Well, and depending on what somebody wants to do with them anymore, you could look at them as fancy affiliates because 
like in the position we're in where we're making recommendations to people to improve their health, they want to know what do you use? What do you like? Because they love us and trust us. So then to have a few products that you're already using and be able to share it with them and they in turn love it and you make extra income at the end of the day, we're here to make money to feed our families so that we can you know, make memories with them and go do things. So if you look at it like affiliates, it can be a great way to supplement what income you're already pulling in. And then the negative part would be what? Mm-hmm. It's a really your time. You can't chase two rabbits. And yeah. So if we're trying to build a business, you want to build a business, but if you've got things that you can hand off quick and easy that don't take any time and people want to buy it because they know, like, and trust you, then fine. Yeah. Well, I very much appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing your story. I thought this was a really special conversation and it's always a pleasure to chat, Suze. Do you have any other final thoughts you want to share in general or about the docuseries? Just anything on your mind? Oh, I feel like... Mm, Libby, I had it like on the... Oh, I know. With the docuseries, one more thing that I wanted to say about that is they have a really steep investment for people to get involved with that company. Like I thought it was that crazy that you couldn't choose your sizes and what you got, although it created urgency, which then I was like, now, isn't that interesting? But then I was irritated on both sides that when women were trying to do whatever they could to invest in that business and they were ripping, like they were ripping off all these reasons, like they sold their breast milk, they sold the car, they did a whatever. Okay. I don't know how many other people wouldn't do any other thing for their family though. Like I'm treading on dangerous territory here, but like if somebody said to you like, Libby, I really need to get a website up and you went through the reasons and you agreed and they said I have a thousand dollar barrier. You'd be like, okay, what can you do to get that thousand dollars to get that website? So like some of it, like it's like Lula Rich definitely like crazy thing. And I don't necessarily know about the breast milk or whatever, but when they were highlighting you had to work hard to save up the income to get the goods to sell the goods, that's kind of business. Like that's, it's the ugly side and the not fancy side of being a hustler to get a business up off the ground. Do you agree or disagree? I I definitely agree. And I feel like the marketing side of me knows that they found a story that would be vulnerable, that would get people's attention. And so I think they skewed it or without having this conversation, I don't think people understand that. And I think that that particular or those examples make it look bad. Um, And I I do agree with you, um, but I think that there's it's it's a little out of context. So I think it's important to have that conversation. And I appreciate you bringing that up, saying that whether you are self-funding, right? I remember when I paid for a business coach, my first coach, I was a a speaker and I I was a trainer. I, I taught a curriculum and I got paid thousands of dollars to teach. And so by making money, my skill is making money. So it's easy for me to make money. I invested all the money I made back into my business, right? Yeah. And that's my story when I first started. So to get to that, like wherever you, if you're bootstrapping, um, if you're not getting a loan or you're not raising money, which a lot of our clients aren't, meaning you're like pitching to raise money, right? Which is which is a whole different co- topic. <sighs> it, it, 
there, there's a lot of different ways, right? If you're not getting a loan, which a loan is more traditional than I think people give credit for a business loan. If you are saving that money in, in whatever way, um, I think it is important to have that conversation about how do people start when they're starting and what does that look like and what would you risk for your family? And that is a very personal private thing, but it's also, I think, important to maybe make that conversation a little bit broader and say, okay, breast milk is an example of how they did it. And what are other examples of how people have done it too? So so perhaps a little out of context, it does sound crazy. And I appreciate you saying, and I can't speak to that specifically because I'm not a mom yet, but I understand that that is a very emotionally charged example to give yes. as to how people started. And I think it's all, it all feeds into the sensationalization. I don't know if that's a word of, of this um, docuseries, right. From, from the beginning, everything was very over the top, including how they took the name Lula Rose and called it Lula Rich. So I just think it and, and a lot of the examples they gave were extreme, including that one. So I think if they were to make this, less one-sided and the whole docuseries was very negative, very much against them. You couldn't like Lula Rich or Lula Rose after watching that. I don't think there's many, there's many people that could like the company after the light that they put them in. And I think there's a lot of lessons to learn. And I think if I were to go back and do a very pragmatic viewpoint of the company and what they did, I think having like looking at multiple sides for what they did and how they could have maybe made different decisions, which is always easy to look in retrospect, or like you said, what is it that you need to do to start up, right? And the, the first things I think are you get a loan, you self-fund, and what does it look like to self-fund? What are those options? And how? what do other people do in other companies, whether it's an MLM or they're doing their own company or, or whatever the other options are? So I, I do think it's important to bring light to that and not just show the most emotionally charged example. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, that being said, thank you for sharing that. Can you remind people where to find you so that they can support you? And if they know anybody who you know they want to recommend or refer to you and they can just connect with you. Yeah. So my handle on Instagram is weight loss over 40. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, Suze, thank you so much for joining. It was an absolute pleasure to chat. Thank you for it sharing was. your story. I really, really enjoyed hearing it. And I think the listeners are going to be super inspired. Thanks, Libby. We are so excited to offer you support in our various programs. If you identify as a beginner and you're looking to lay down the foundations, our society program might be a great fit for you. I encourage you to go to dietitianboss.com under group coaching and apply for our experience, our transformative experience based off of my proprietary system called the Dietitian Boss Method. Additionally, we offer a higher level program called Executive to help you hire and manage a staff as you expand and scale your program, whether you're offering a membership, course, group programming, private coaching, or a combination of various different offerings. We're here to help you on your journey with developing processes and implementing the operational foundation that you need to reach your goals. A lot of our clients want to work 20 hours or less a week. And we're so proud to say that we've helped them achieve that goal. And you'll hear their stories on this podcast. Make sure to stay tuned and apply if you're looking for support to get there faster and meet some colleagues along the way who share your same growth mindset.